put them together, amen, as vessels that he's molded and shaped and thankful this morning that he hadn't thrown us away. Thankful for his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his everlasting love, his mighty hand, the finger of God that's upon each and every one of us to be in his image and likeness upon this earth. Amen. Vessels of his spirit. Vessels, amen, of his love. Oh, isn't it great to be here today to love the one and only Jesus Christ? Praise God. Praise God. It's good to see each one of you in the house of the Lord this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, God. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful setting. Amen. For even this service here today. Praise God. It's good to see each one of you. Man, in the house of God, to come to worship and to magnify Him, exalt Him. So we're just thankful to have you with us and come to be with us. God bless you. Amen. We'll let our classes go back and uh, everybody else get to stay out here and praise God. And man, not to despise our youth. Hallelujah. But it's good to see all of our guests. God bless each one of you for coming and being a part of this service with us today. So thankful, amen, that uh, you come just to love the Lord with us and worship the Lord with us, amen, and uh, join with us, giving thanks unto the Lord. And the one that's, Brother Ford mentioned, sitting upon the circle of the earth, hallelujah, but I'm going to tell you what, he wants to sit on the throne of our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our lives, amen. He wants to be that potter, amen, in our lives. He wants us to be that clay that's a willing clay that's willing to be on the potter's wheel, amen. And sometimes that wheel is called the house of God, where we come and join together. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. We've assembled here, amen, to lift up, encourage one another, but to, to leave here different than what we came because of whose presence we've been in. That can work, I believe, in two ways. Number one, our own Amen. As we're in presence of one another, encouraged by one another, but more importantly, the presence of the Lord. Amen. With the power of His Spirit, His Word, through songs and worship, and then rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Praise God. The Word of Truth is what makes all the difference in our lives. And the Word of Truth is what's going to make a difference in the outcome of this journey. Amen. To where we have built, as Paul instructed us. Amen. It's only only one foundation to build upon. That's none other but Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. This gospel, this true gospel, there's only one gospel, one Lord, one Savior, one baptism, two elements, spirit and water. Jesus taught that. Peter taught it. Paul taught it. I'm glad to be a product of that. I want to be a finished product of that. Talking to somebody in the last week or two at the hardware store. Uh, I have tried to put a little more effort and be incentive into any opportunity we have to uh, help people. And uh, anyway, uh, just inform them of the New Testament. I said, if you want to know the actions and the history of the New Testament church and responding to questions such as how to be saved, I said, you need to go to the book of Acts. You're going to see the actions of the church and New Testament church go to the book of Acts. I said, uh, but just as important, maybe more important, amen, is after experiencing Pentecost and experiencing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I don't have no problem saying Holy Ghost. Uh, I know Holy Spirit's good and all of that, but I'm going to tell you, you know the difference? Uh, there's a lot of spirits, and I know there's only one holy. 
But when you say Holy Ghost, that is the spirit of a departed one. I believe that Jesus Christ, amen, was resurrected. I believe he's departed. But now through that spirit of that departed one, the measure, the down payment of that spirit, that one day I'm going to meet this departed one in the clouds by that spirit. There is a difference. Amen. Because there's only one that's conquered death. That enemy. Amen. Death. And that's going to be the last enemy that's conquered when this thing's over with. So it doesn't matter if I'm walking in this life or have been placed in the grave. It's going to be conquered through the spirit of that departed one called Jesus Christ. And uh, it's this spirit that will lead and guide us, that will comfort us. It's this spirit that's going to resurrect us, the measure of this spirit, that we will actually get to enjoy in the fullness of it. Amen. So, amen. Good lesson. Good lesson. I won't probably teach it quite like it's written out. <laughs> um, of course, you know, it depends on... Uh, some of you in here this morning are young compared. It all depends on who you're compared to. Uh, Brother Ford would consider you, some of you, as just little children. Elder Brother Ford. Amen. Amen. So there's such a vast difference of the age. And, uh, but, but I'm, I'm going to look at this, some things. And this last song that was sung will, will help seal some things that I really felt a little different than maybe you've ever heard. <laughs> and even the writing of the lesson today. And, uh, but if I'm wrong, I'm out there, I'll be out there by myself. Be all right. Praise God. Uh, but I just look at some of this a little different. And after studying and praying and just. Uh, and so hopefully I can bring it out. And it'll help us. It'll help us. Amen. Praise God. Age does not matter. I know the focus of the lesson. And I'm with it 110%. Talking about youth being young. Despise not thy youth. No doubt written to Timothy as a young pastor. From all accounts, maybe a little timid. But maybe not as timid as some may think. When you join up with a team of Paul. Especially on the cutting edge. Of going into places. And being the, the founder. And laying the foundation. There was such opposition. And most of that opposition became very physical. And so it made the difference of the character of the individuals of the teams that would walk with Apostle Paul. Especially when you see the transfer of authority, the transfer of the call that was placed upon Paul as a chosen vessel. That was instructed by Ananias that was informed. The Lord himself spoke to Ananias, told him he was going to be a special vessel. He was going to suffer many things. But as, as you and I know. We got an example of that right now. Those that really sold themselves out to follow the previous president, Mr. Trump. Uh, some of them are paying some dear prices. Right or wrong. Okay. Well, y'all weren't expecting that, was you? And um, same way with Paul. <clears throat> when you 
you, you begin to want to follow the Apostle Paul, especially after the transfer of authority, the spiritual authority that took place and uh, things uh, got heated up and uh, they was going to be persecuted, amen, going to receive stripes, cast into dungeons, uh, fought sometimes as though they had fought against beasts, such as in Ephesus and things of this nature. So it's not everybody's character. Does that mean he's a less man than the others? Not necessarily. Every man is not the same. Every man's not gifted the same. All individuals are not. Does that make the other individuals less than the others? Well, if you go to Matthew, the 13th chapter, and study the four types of soil, even the good soil, even the good soil, some produce 30, some 60, some 100. Does that make the 30 less successful to the maker, to the master, God himself, which James helps us understand that all gifts and good gifts come from where? From above. Amen. In, in the charisma, he talks about that some here. They, came, they come from God. They, they belong. That's the reason the glory, the praise, and honor is to his. That's the reason uh, I, want to be, I want to be humble. God help me, and not just with words, but the, the actions, the deeds. What, I'm, what God uh, blesses, gives us insight, you know. It, it's, it, I tell you what, what, what turns me more than anything is for a preacher to get arrogant in a pulpit. And that's like, you know, man, he's... And looks down on everybody else and a bunch of dummies and all this other stuff. Paul himself made it plain. We received this. The revelations he received. It wasn't of his own. He received them. He spent three years. Amen. Uh, in, in the presence of God. Without anybody else. Without Peter. Without any of the rest of them. To attain the revelation. And the insight. Because he was going to be going to the Gentile people. And uh, it was, there was going to be a warfare. And a battle that's going to take place. And sometimes that was from within. As well as from without. And so anybody that joined with him as a team, and you'll notice Paul never went by himself. He always had some ministers and others that would go with him. Sometimes that team would only be one or two, and some that would later on would forsake him, and others, he would call on others to come and help gird up and help strengthen. And, and there'd be times he'd have to leave, and he'd leave others to be overseers and to help uh, establish and set up elders that would... Uh, that would preach and teach the sound doctrine. So we're going we're gonna to learn some things here this morning. Amen. Now, my, my first thing out this thing, I don't think nobody needs to despise their age. Uh, as much as we don't need to make sure we don't look down upon the young, I don't care how young they are. I can show you through the scriptures, through the Old Testament. We had kings such as Josiah at eight years of age and became a king. One of the most, one of the two, Hezekiah's the other, no, Josiah's the second one, had the greatest revival Israel ever experienced under his leadership, under his, his ability to yield himself at, at eight years. And then it was a process that took ten years. But as it, as it began to unfold, you go back and study about him. He was the one that went and rebuilt the temple and reestablished and set it up and rebuilt walls. And God, they experienced one of the greatest revivals. Um, I know it's end time. I know that it's going to come. But I feel that one of the greatest responsibilities that lays upon the church today is that we can do like Hezekiah. We can pray and intercede and possibly push this judgment off a little while. Achan done the same thing. And so our church, uh, the believers, the true believers of Jesus Christ, and I don't care who they are. I, I begin to practice. I don't pray for the Republicans. I told somebody else this this week. I don't pray for the Republicans any longer or the Democrats. I pray for God's will. 
Amen. And on top of that, I don't pray for just us. Uh, I'm praying for anybody. I don't care what denomination they are. God, you know them. You know their hearts. You know what they hunger and thirst after righteousness. God, touch them. Move them. Help us. Help us, God, to reach out to them. Help us. Amen. Not just in Bendel, but across this land. Praying for all the leaders of all the organizations, such as Brother David Bernard and different ones like that. I pray God anoint them, bless them, help them, instruct them, strengthen them. Amen. Uh, I don't feel my place in none of those places. So you know what? But I bear the responsibility to pray for them that are there. That God would anoint them and strengthen them and help them. Amen. That they can do an awesome, a mighty job. Amen. Because you know what? Because all of us, amen, is a part of that. We're part of the body. Amen. Regardless of what part of the body. Did anybody come this morning ready to cut off an ear? Did you come this morning ready to pluck out an eye? Did you come this morning ready to cut off a part of your foot? No. Amen. It may have a sore place on it. We may be causing a little pain, a little discomfort, but I I haven't reached the point in place, amen, to, to serve it, to cut it off and to cast it away. I'm telling you, the song kept set for what I really believe that the Lord want to help us here this morning with. So as we look at this focus thought, we must encourage and believe in young people who desire to do the work of God. Who desire to do the work of God. Um... Focus verse, 1 Timothy 4 and 12. Let no man despise thy youth. No doubt a young man taking on uh, the leadership of being a pastor. And uh, we're going to talk about that song. We'll talk about a man as far as uh, being younger and where's a vessel going to come from. How many enjoyed the, the, young, the young evangelist Wednesday night? Man. Could he, could, could he be considered an elder even though he's 29 years of age? How many of you believe that somebody that spent 20 years in a craftsmanship would probably be considered a first class in that craftsmanship? Especially applied himself and learned to trade. Most apprentice programs don't last for three years. That apprentice program that they applied themselves and went to the schooling and to the craftsman and listened to the first class gentleman. At the end of three years, we considered them first class, and they, they earned the rights, amen, for the pay and, and, and for, for their advancement. But let me tell you something. Even in apprentice classes, everybody is not going to be number one. Everybody can't hold that same position. Everybody can't be the chief. Everybody can't be the superintendent. And everybody can't be the next general superintendent. Everybody can't be the next uh, foreman, whatever. Does that mean all the rest of them failed? No. The knowledge they attained and learned from that to become the craftsmanship. Some of them may wind up being engineers. Others may wind up in other direction that were feeding into their abilities and their gifting. Hallelujah. To, to benefit the whole company. But who's going to oversee this and who's going to choose? And I know, I know politics play in that. Flesh plays in that. Man, I'm going to talk to us this morning now. We'll talk to us. And I'd love to say the church is exempt from all that. But I'd be lying and you'd know it. Because these are earthen vessels. The earthen vessels. And so out of this lesson. As much as anything else. I'm going to learn. I believe a different side of Paul. That you don't. I don't know if you ever hear it. And you're going to hear something this morning. Maybe you never heard. You may not even agree. And that's fine. That don't matter to me. I mean it does. But it don't. I mean you know what I'm saying. Uh, but I believe we're going to see a side of Paul. That possibly he got, he's, he's being accused of. That he may not be guilty of. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan. To trying to play both sides of fans. Answer what your answer is, 
I don't know everybody's minds and hearts and spirit. Only God knows. Sometimes I'm not sure if I know mine. <laughs> Praise God. How do you feel about that? I'm not sure right now. Give me a while. <laughs> Let me pray about it. Let me read the Bible a while. Let me think about this. And, and uh, then let, I can get, maybe I can give you a little better answer. But uh, uh, so <laughs> I'm telling you it's going to be a little different now. <laughs> but I believe the Lord's going to help us because, amen. So we shouldn't despise the age of the individual that's anointed. Just for instance, a man, he started, he said, preaching at nine. He's only had 20 years. He's raised of a dad that far as I understand, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. He spent his whole life as an evangelist. So he's been on the field. You heard what he said. That's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever done. And so, you know what? He's, he's, his, his ability, amen. And so I believe this is some areas where we need to really work, amen, is encouraging our youth, amen, to find that heart of God, that call of God, that, that place of where you can use me. And as I advance and, and, and grow and make sure that I fit the place in the kingdom and the body of Christ, because even ministers, everybody can't, can't pastor uh, 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 great mega churches. Everybody can't pastor. Every preacher cannot pastor running 3,000. But that 3,000 pastor will never, in fact, he's subject to shipwreck if he tries to pastor a little rural church with only 30. He'll lose favor, lose heart, lose interest. And subject to backslide and lose everything. I'm going to talk to us this morning now. Calling the election. God knows where to put us. He equips us. He gives us. Uh, I made mention here a while back. Doctors and nurses. Yes, they have to apply themselves. Go to schooling and things. And some have to study more than others. But a lot of these individuals are gifted. They're gifted. They don't, they don't just come naturally. They, they like that intellectual ability. And to comprehend and understand things. And to reason. Amen. And so even in, in as we watch this and the work of God and in the kingdom of God, we're gifted by him. Amen. And so that's really so important that uh, we're willing a man to submit ourselves to one another. But as much or not more important, but to him. Amen. Because we're the clay. We're the one that he puts us. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. God's never willing a man to just cast us away. He'll go to the extremes because it's not his heartbeat. Now, I do believe that we can uh, come up short. We can drop the ball. We can do some things and disqualify ourselves in some areas. But that don't mean we have to go to hell over it. It doesn't mean we have to be eternally lost. Praise God. But we're we going to have to realize and wake up and say, but you know what? I'm going to find, I'm going to be, and I'm, I'm content to be this. I'm happy to be this, and I'm going to be my best. How many of you have ever heard me make the statement, you may not ever do nothing but dig ditches, but I, you know what? I'd be the best dig digger that I could ever be for Jesus Christ, first of all, as a representation of, of, of God, as a vessel of the Holy Ghost. That's above all things, amen. But I got scripture even back up, amen, that I want to be the best one regardless, amen, whatever boss I I'm working for. I don't care if he's he's got a good nature or if he's one of them. It's just a overwhelming. Hallelujah. The scripture backs it up. Amen. That I can still submit myself and yield myself and be one of his, his and try to be one of his top hands. Even though I might not ever run the company or own it. Praise God. 
So, um, as we watch this begin to unfold and begin to take place, and as you begin to talk about age, I'm not a favorite fan of speculating as, as much as they did in this contemplating the topic. Uh, calling Jesus a youth pastor and using certain scriptures. You know that Peter was married. We know that. We know that they took the coin out of the fish. And they're, they're assuming a possibly, there's a possibility that he was the only one because you had to be 20 years of age to pay the temple tax. And, and so there's a possibility everybody else was under 20. Because nobody else needed their taxes paid. But yet they were from Capernaum. And all of them wasn't from Capernaum. And so they, they gives open to. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan about some of that kind of stuff. Speculating and just allowing your own imagination to get out there. And uh, all of that you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Amen with that. Uh, so anyway. Okay. I do know this. Jesus was 30. Before he ever started his ministry. Jesus was 30 years of age. We know the scriptures taught us about being a novice. Not to be one. To take on certain leaderships and places. You know why? Because you're prone to pride. And you, you become more vulnerable and subject to shipwreck. Until you get some experience and get anchored in. In huh, things. Everybody can't. Everybody cannot. Experience. Okay, what the Bible He would put more on us than what we can bear. Am I right? I know we bring some things on ourselves. But God promised us He would put more on us than what we can bear. So the call of God upon the vessels of each one of us in this work and kingdom. As the mother. As the church and a part of the body of Christ. That call is not going to be above what we can bear. But he'll equip us, anoint us, and use us. Okay? So, as you watch some of this, and it, it begins to unfold. Uh, I'm going to come back to some of that, that other part, maybe toward the end. Hopefully, if I can remember and come back, just look at some of that. Let no man despise thy youth. We're encouraged. We ought to. Man, that's what Sunday school is all about. It's to bring our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bringing them to the house of God. Uh, uh, instructing them and, 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 and helping them to learn at an early, early, early age about Noah. Amen. About Abraham. About Isaac. Amen. These, these Bible stories. Hallelujah. But are so powerful. And so many of them that we can see through the scriptures that, that youth were used. We can go to the three Hebrews and Daniel. Most believe that they're in their early, 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 possibly even 11 or 12, but most believe at least early teens. Amen. When they was carried into Babylon, they was a chosen vessels. They was gifted. Hallelujah. And that's what the instruction was of the king of Babylon. Did you go and get those gifted kids? Hallelujah. That stands out beyond others. We got some teachers here, public teachers. They can tell you that some some students, amen, they just stand out. They're gifted. They're blessed, amen. They can, they can pick up stuff quick and, and learn how to read and write and things. And they advance above uh, uh, many in their class. And, and so we can see and how they can be used. Sometimes we're amazed. We watch people, amen, we can watch them in singing possibly at times. 
and the gift to, to singing. I've used Brother Ford before here. I can remember in the fourth grade. I still remember. Fourth grade, the elementary school. They're bringing him up on that auditorium up there. And all the school was out there. And he sung. I don't remember what he sung. I, don't, I can't remember that part. It might have been a gospel song. It may not have been. I don't know. School, you never know, you know. But anyway, it wasn't rock and roll, though. It wasn't Elvis Presley, even though he could copy him. But he, he, they didn't let him sing that. But, uh, but, uh, but, but, but at an early age, he was, he was gifted with that. And talented. God, it was given by God. Amen. And to be used for his glory and the magnifying. And then here's what happens a lot of times. A lot of people take their gifts. And they allow, they allow themselves to be shaped and molded and everything but but if they're not careful amen they allow the pull of the world and the lust of the world pull them and use their gifts for their own glory and fulfilling of the I will tell you something the devil has never given anybody the gifts and ability to do anything he just deceives them by offering them a man reward he deceives them and lies to them. Amen. I got something greater, did not? He knew Jesus Christ. Help I be the Son of God. Hallelujah. I got more to offer you, but I'm going to tell you something. Nobody's got more to offer us than Jesus Christ and eternal life with eternal words. Amen. With a glorified body where we'll never, amen, never hunger or thirst or never weep another tear. I'm telling you, nobody. <laughs> oh, but if we'll just say, you know what? God, I want my gifts and talents, whatever they might be. Now you watch this. The, the, the scripture makes it plain when he talks about the sheep. And he talks about the shepherd. That, that sheep is successful or not depends upon the shepherd. Because a shepherd knows where that little lamb came from. The shepherd knows the, 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 the parents of that little lamb. And, and he knows the, all the ins and outs of that little lamb. And then you've got to call in the election of God that's upon it. And the anointing of God that's upon it. And all of that is a must for the kingdom of God. Every bit of it is a must. Amen. Many are called. If you're chosen, hallelujah. But I believe there's also the calling a man into the ministry in whatever department that might be in. And place. Okay. So. So we can see here that um, despise... Amen. Is something gets you know you can be formed beforehand. Uh, you ever heard the statement? You can hear this out on the workplaces. You can hear it out in different places. Who's that little young whippersnapper? What does, who does he think he is? <laughs> or at that thing, you know. And we can sometimes, you know, sometimes that new worker on the job could come up with an idea. They can really advance and help the situation. But that old journeyman sometimes can kind of look at him and say, hmm, you think you are. And so we got to be careful of that because it happens. And it happens even in the church. And so we got to be careful of that. Because God can use whoever makes themselves available. And the earlier we do that, the better off we are. The more skillful and talented that we become. Some of the greatest vessels you read about in the Old Testament and New Testament is because they was willing to give themselves at an early age into God's will and God's hand. They learned how to walk and how to give themselves. And, and so if you'll just bear with me and watch this, amen, this thing really unfold. So people sometimes have their own opinion. They got something already 
you know, pre-ideas. Uh, I hear the statement sometimes, you know, uh, I can't, well, are we going to ever get some young evangelists? <laughs> Them young whippersnappers? <laughs> well, there's not many old ones out there to start with. In fact, the evangelist call and full-time is, is, is becoming less and less because it's becoming of a greater difficult for them to survive and to make it in the world that we're living in today and the times that we're living in. It doesn't mean God hadn't quit calling. Neither, thank God he hadn't quit calling. Amen. And quit moving and making ways. And, and so, so we got to understand. Now watch this. I, I want us to help us. He writes here. He says people are prejudiced against AIDS in many ways. Age prejudice is a good thing. Watch what he says. Eight-year-olds should not be allowed to get tattoos. Drive cars. A vote for a presidential election. Y'all agree with that? How many of you agree that you can get too old to drive? We're talking about age here. We're going, don't despise your age. Youth. It's just as important sometimes when we get older that... God help us not despise this. That we we we've got to, you know, it's called in golden years, and I know a lot of it's not so golden. But to be here and to be blessed and have the experience to help others. Scripture told, let the elder teach the younger. And so that's one good way we can do that. It's not to let our age get a hold of us that I'm just gonna become that old grumpy old man. about everything I'm asking God I've done been asking you some of you may think I'm old but (laughs) but I'm asking God I don't want to be that old grumpy man I don't want to be the the grouch and uh, space in the house of God and serving God and living for God now there's some things we don't like about that. We don't like the hair falling out and the teeth falling out. And <laughs> we don't like the aches and pains and uh, you don't have the strength you once had. And you can't last as long as you once. And you can't stay up all night. and huh, Night after night. And it's, it's different. So... We see here that even Jesus Christ himself, the writer makes mention of this, that at 12 years of age, he astounded the doctors and lawyers and those in that temple. Not only by answering questions, but by the questions he asked. Sometimes our youth can ask questions that all of a sudden kind of just shakes us and brings us maybe to reality and saying, hey, that's a good question. We might have the answer and we might not. But you know what the best thing to do is say, hey, you know what? We're going to start digging it out. Searching. See if we can come up. See what the Bible has to say about this. Because you need to be instructed. You need to be guided down the right pathway. So, as we watch some of this. So, age is certainly it's not what a handicap in God's kingdom 
You hear me tonight, this morning. Age is not a handicap in God's kingdom. Don't matter how young you are or how old you are. You don't ever, you're not ever too young. Neither are you ever too old to work in the kingdom of God. Or exempt yourself and saying, I've got it done. Neither should we have the attitude and the spirit that, hey, I got to go out and sow my seeds and enjoy life a while before I. Mm -mm. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. That's not the greatest testimony. I know and I thank God for them. I thank God for any and everybody, myself included, for the redeeming powers of God. and Pulling us out of that old miry clay. And doing, but come on. There's a greater testimony, man, to being able to say, I don't know anything about smoking cigarettes. I don't know anything about drinking. I don't know anything about the honky-tonks. All I know anything about is prayer rooms and fasting and experiencing the glory of God and Holy Ghost outpourings. And oh, yeah, that's a greater testimony. It really is. Writer talked about it in the Gary Culture Connection of the young guy that sold himself after hearing Brother Sam, uh, Sam Embry, a man, a message. And from that point on, he committed himself in prayer two and three times a day and 20 and 30 minutes at a time. Been faithful to it for some five or six years now. And God's blessing him. And he's doing things in his school because he's disciplining himself to prayer and, and to the Holy Ghost and allowing the Holy Ghost to lead and guide and help him. Man, so, so all that. But at the same time, we don't ever get to the place and age that we can just start shoving prayer off. And testifying. And being concerned of what we say and how we say it. I know, I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it recently. I'm getting old enough now, I can just say what I want to say. That's like saying I'm out of the Bronx of New York. I can cuss if I want to. It's a little rough, ain't it? So, we can, he talked about the young ruler. He talked about this young ruler. A man came to Jesus Christ and asked, you know, and basically was looking for what one thing I can do to be saved. You know, seal this deal and it'd be... And, and, and he goes through the process of keeping the commandments and honoring mamas and dads and, and all of this. He said, I've kept all of them since my youth. So it can be done. We've got to persuade our young people. You can live for God. Oh, there's, there's going to be trials. There's going to be times. You know, you, you're going to drop the ball. You're going to come up short at times. But you know what? How many of you hadn't dropped the ball since you got out of your teenage years? How many of you hadn't dropped the ball since you got out of the 20s? How many of you hadn't dropped the ball and you got out of your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and 60s and your 70s and your 80s? And huh, Ain't too many of us made it to the 90s yet. But even, 
Even here, the writer talks about the foolishness. That's one reason you, you got to be careful what you hand to young people and how much, because you can put more on them. I think this is where you, we need to be wise. When God uses them, that we don't strive to start elevating them and call them into places that that's God's business. Whenever you start taking on the role ship of calling people into the ministry, and watch this. 99 out of 100 times when somebody, God's got a calling for you, what's the first thing we all think of? Or timing or placing of it. But God sees. See, God, God knows our heart. He knows our ups. He knows, he knows our we He knows the journey that we can accomplish and become the finished product. He knows. We don't. But he does. Talks about how that we can we could be foolish and how we could do things that's not right at a young. <laughs> Anybody know any adults that does some foolish stuff? <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> and so, even though this is kind of a flag that's put on sometimes the youth and and I, I heard it I heard it in the last week or two. That's back when I was young and. Dumb. Like all of a sudden I've arrived, buddy. <laughs> but now sometimes we have to back up and say, because I was all and dumb. <laughs> but you don't hear that, do you? But you hear a lot of the other. <laughs> so, so we have to be careful with all this. And it's not, I'm going to, let me, let me clear something. I promise you it's God's heartbeat to do what? Bring your little children. Watch this, three areas. Matthew 19 and 14 said, suffer the little children. Mark 10 and 13 says, brought young children to him. Luke 18 and 15 says, he brought unto him what? The infants. <laughs> and that pretty well covers all the bases. All of these three different gospel writers talking about the same, same setting, same time. How the disciples try to, to, to try to drive them away and wouldn't take out the time. But, but the Bible said he suffered. That means he, he allowed. Man, he was willing to sacrifice. Let bring those. But he put his hands on them. So we understand it's God's heartbeat. It's God's will to bring and to train to instruct and encourage our young people. In, in God, and the things of God, and the callings of God, and the service of God. It's very important. It takes a part. We see with Hannah, a man that uh, she'd done what? After she weaned him, she took him what? Into the temple. Placed him in God's hand, into Eli's service. Now watch this. If, if she had used her own logic, and her own eyes, as some would say, 
There ain't no way I'd have took him to that old priest. Look at his own boys. Man, that's some of the most wicked boys I ever seen. That's the difference in knowing the voice of God. And knowing the call that's upon their hearts and their lives. I'm going to say this. And I'm probably the biggest failure in this area. But could it be that one of the, the biggest failures of the faithful ministry in the apostolic movement is because we have failed how to instruct our youth in their callings? I got it. Just, just hang on. Ride with me a little longer. As you begin to watch some of this of, of to be an example I heard that this week. You may have the mouth of a youth to, uh, to be an example. To once, especially when you've been baptized and you claim the Holy Ghost, you've got to become the example. And uh, to, to be who God wants you to be and called to be, the service in that area. And so, being an example, he goes on, he talks about this. Young men and women must choose to overcome the stigma of youthfulness by being examples to all believers. So one of the first things they got to do with all the youths done this, and they always done that. And, and, and you know, even in apostolic churches, but uh, it's something that got to rise up in you, especially when you know it's something contrary to this book. It's something inside that young person's got to say, no, I'm going to hold to this. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to give myself to that which is right to so he talks about in conduct, he talks about in love, he talks about in spirit and in faith. And I, I, I forgot my watch, I didn't mean to do that, but anyway. And in purity, so to live a pure, clean, holy life in the world that we're talking about today. Where so much other, other has been so broadened and been, been laid out there to, to as some form of glamour and, uh, and heroes. And again, I'm not against none of that. I'm not against none of that, okay? But to real, real heroes is whenever youth that gives themselves and, 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 and commits themselves that I'm going to take to heart the word of God and the voice of God. And I'm going to present this vessel unto the Lord and to the instructions of his word and his guidance. And I'm going to live an overcoming life. And, and as Paul instructed him, as you look back and... And uh, as we watch some of this, now, the writer talked about, he talked about Paul. Man, he, he really railed Paul, even as a young person at 30 years of age when he brought the, the coats and laid at his feet. If you read the lesson, man, he, he nailed, but, but watch this. Paul, a man, makes it clear to us why he done what he done. He done it out of ignorance, and because of that ignorance, now, now watch this. That smoked me. It even in the last week or two, as I'm observing, I'm watching, trying to, you know, hey, come on, let's let's pay attention. What we need to be doing. One of the biggest problems, amen, with religion today is the lack of doctrine, true doctrine, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's only one Bible. Where in the world have we got all these different denominations and beliefs and all this other stuff? It's not out of here. It's not from God. It's from man. Man has made this. Man's created this. When there's only one book, one plan of salvation, 
one foundation, one church, one body, one ark, one tabernacle. One, 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 one God. Still three gods. So we can see that, man, we can get mixed up. We can get far out there. And when you start talking about walking in error, if you can be off one degree here, but as time moves, as time keeps that one degree, you'd be completely shocked how far off you'd be. From one generation to the next. So we see how a lot of this has unfolded, how a lot of that has happened. Even though Paul himself talked about, and he called himself in that same setting, he's, wrote, he's written unto Timothy, talking about being the blasphemer, talking about persecuting the church and dragging men and women and causing that. He said, and he named himself, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. But because of his grace and his mercy, thank God for his grace and mercy. And that grace and mercy is just as powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, we, didn't, we don't have to have all that other, but even in our own lives and, and, and the small things. And so how much should you and I present or offer this kind of faithfulness or kind of mercy and compassion upon them? He goes on as he talks to Timothy and he begins to work with him and to uh, help shape and form him into the call of God and the service of God. We know that, that Paul had to handle, I want to make mention of this, because it goes into what I'm trying to get across this morning. Paul handled Timothy and Titus a little different. Steady on them. Circumcised one and one he didn't. He didn't handle both of them just the same. Paul was not a man that was afraid to put responsibility on young men. Timothy was a young man. If you read your lesson, if you listened to 90% or better of your people, they tagged Paul with the, the attitude and the spirit that he kind of looked down on youth. That he pulls in Titus and Timothy. Puts them in positions and places as a part of the team. And leaves them at times to set up elders. So, just what are you trying to get at? Age must not determine usability in the kingdom of God. The Lord used a lad who had the lunch. I don't think Paul was against age. I don't think Paul was against. I don't think Paul was against a man of, of, of the age that he was here. I believe Paul, a man, had a different. If you go back in the book of Acts, you begin to study and you begin to take note of the things that begin to transpire and what begins to take place. And I'm just going to go to that because I don't have a clue what time it is. But when you go to the part of the, of the acts, the calling that took place. I want you to notice some things. First of all, like 2 Timothy 3 and 10. He's talking to Timothy. He's writing his second letter. Now, Paul, uh, no doubt, is going off the scene. But he's trying to strengthen Timothy. He's trying to encourage him. And believe it or not, some believe that Timothy's probably in his 20s somewhere 
not real sure even the writing of this letter because we know that he was just young. The faith he received, the scriptures that taught him and at his youth, and the, 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 the anointing that had came on you, the gift, you know, not neglect that gift. And, but anyway, he talks about, thou hast fully known my doctrine, ma- manner of life. I want you to catch that. Timothy, you've known my manner of life. What, what is Paul saying about that? Matter of life is actually the way of life. Our outward bearings are a way of behaving toward. You know my purpose. You know the reason for which some things a man is done. Why? What? Why? Paul was a chosen vessel. Watch this. Do you believe that Paul suffered some things far greater than the apostle Peter? How many times do you read that Peter was beaten? I'm going somewhere. Watch this. Not every young man of the church could walk with the team of Paul, ladies and gentlemen. That's just all it is to it. That doesn't mean they disqualified them out of the kingdom or the service of God. But I believe as the ability to lead had shifted. Because if you watch it close, it was Barnabas. And Barnabas, no doubt, who had extended out the right hand of fellowship. Who had embraced Saul at this time. When others wouldn't and rejected him. And he he struggled with that. But, it didn't always stay that way. Changed. Leadership changed. Then all of a sudden you begin to see, not only does it, the Acts writes and talks about Peter falls off, but even Barnabas now. Barnabas is not the one that takes on the spiritual authority and the insight of how to respond to circumstances and situations. It's Paul that after they spend a few days, amen, and having a certain little downsell that's following them, it's Paul, amen, spins around in the power of the Holy Ghost and rebukes said spirit out, not Barnabas. Paul. And Barnabas is still part of the team. And Barnabas, a man, is going to suffer the same consequences as Saul, a man, of being cast into the prison and beaten. A man. Even times, a man, whenever they would had done left this, the, the city, there was men like Jason because they had accepted them and brought them into their house. They'd go and snatch and pull them out and bring them out to the Marcus place and question them about it. What you doing accepting him and following him? Come on, I've seen the same stuff happening in our political field right now. Same stuff. Snatching, amen, uh, taking them off of committees and taking them from here and taking them there because of... So same way in the spiritual realm. So what I'm telling you this morning, everybody could not walk in the journey with the apostle Paul. Could it be instead of Paul, a man, you watch this. If you notice what part of the book of Acts that this this scripture lesson comes from, Acts the 15th chapter. Do you know what happened at the beginning of that chapter? Did you know that that was one of the first council meetings that Paul and Barnabas had went to Jerusalem? To meet with James, the high brother Jesus, the bishop of the church there. To reason how to teach and instruct Gentiles. 
Because there were some that had slipped in, a man had come in and put pressure on them, had come to these Gentile churches after Paul and them had left and began to preach to them and tell them of a doctrine that they had to be circumcised to be saved. And so now they're coming back in the beginning of this chapter, Acts the 15th chapter, to address this and how to respond to this. And then after all it was over with and James and their response, they come up with four things. You remember? Unified and come together. It's amazing to me that right after this, that this is where you and I begin to pick up on our lesson today about Barnabas and Paul. It's amazing to me that these two men could agree and join together with the church in this area. That then all of a sudden, a man that uh, they can't agree upon this one little issue. But let's read the scriptures pretty closely, what it says. Some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where, they, where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Now we ought to pick up on that. These guys that think, you know, once saved, always saved. If that be the case, why would Paul and Silas worry about going back and visiting the churches? I tell you why he wanted to go back because he another place he talks about it because they could be deceived like Eve was by the enemy and shipwreck. So let's go on. What's the next statement? And Barnabas determined to take with them John. I'm determined at whatever cost. I'm taking John. You know why Barnabas wanted to take John too? Though John was a nephew. John the Mark was Barnabas' sister's boy. And sometime for kinship, uh, uh, whatever cost, man, I'm on. It doesn't matter what anybody says, I'm taking him. But let's read real closely. And I, I know I may be way out there, but let's watch this. But Paul thought not good. To take him. It's not a good thing, John. And he goes on. And he helps us understand. Who departed from them from Pamphylia. And went not with them to the work. I just wonder. If it could have been that, that, that Paul said. Barnabas. Huh, John couldn't handle the first trip. If you remember. We didn't hardly make it to the second city, buddy. He had to go back to Jerusalem. Now, a lot of people play that down and try to make him like a whatever. But he wasn't just his call. He wasn't equipped for that. Because watch him. Because when he goes to Jerusalem, if you read the latter part of your lesson, in 1 Peter 5 and 13, the church that is at Babylon, which happens to be a sister church, what we understand, elected together with you, saluted you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Now, watch this. Barnabas takes him. If you go back to the scripture lesson. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed back to Cyprus. This is the place that he forsaken them. He carries him back to this very same place. And we see that he falls under the leadership and, uh, and mentoring of Peter. But I'm going to tell you something. Under the leadership and what Peter faced, 
what near the physical opposition and spiritual warfare that the team of Paul was having to deal with. Paul could have jumped up over here and said, come on, God. What about Peter and him? They, they, man, they don't never have to stay up all night praying. See, like they don't ever have to fight any devils. I don't read where any of them ever got beaten. Left out in the sea just, just treading the waters and you know, waiting on God. Oh, we do the same thing sometimes. Because when we're the one that's fighting the devil, we're thinking, hey, has anybody else got to fight this thing? You look over there at everybody else and they're doing fine, man. They go. I could be way out there, but I'm going to tell you something. I really don't think I am. What if Paul would have gave in? Said, all right, bring him on. Go ahead. Have it your way. Let it go. And then about the second city, amen, all of a sudden he backslides over it. Because he can't handle the pressure. He can't handle the persecution. And this time, he doesn't only just go back to Jerusalem. He goes back, backslid. Come on, Jesus warned us. Go back to your four types of soil. Hmm. Those that didn't get it all worked out. The rocks warned us. The cares of life choked the word of God out. Those that didn't have no deafness, that when drought times come, persecution comes, they dry up. If you keep on reading, you'll see they also become bitter and actually begin to hate some of the ones that have tried to form and shape them. Could it be that Paul had a little more insight of this young man called John Mark? But there was so much pressure on Barnabas being a nephew. I'm going to take him. Now, God worked it out. If God can work the situation out in the beginning of the Acts, the 15th chapter, he can work out the situation to the ending of the chapter. And if there was such a strive that apparently didn't stop the blessings of God and the favor of God, what do you mean by that? Paul chose Silas. Silas was one of the men. If you go back to the beginning of that chapter, Silas. There was another one. I forgot who it is. Anyway, they were part of the two along with Barnabas and, and, and Paul that was, that was given. And they went by mouth going back to the Gentile churches. Tell them, hey, this is what we've been struck. This is coming from headquarters. Staying from these four things. And when they get back to Antioch, you'll read where Silas, he didn't go back to Jerusalem. Silas tarries, he waits. And then you read of this unfolding. It's amazing how Silas just kind of just happened to be there. And so the scripture goes on to tell us. And he went through and, and okay, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So Paul chose Silas. And departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. <laughs> Barnabas, man, left with John Mark. The brethren there said, hey, 
Why don't you take silence? Still here in Antioch. You know, a lot of things went on in Antioch. You go to Galatians. I think it's the fourth chapter. I think. You see, it's, it's at Antioch. It's where Paul has to confront Peter. Whenever the brethren came from Jerusalem. Peter had no problem, amen, eating with the Gentiles and fellowshipping with the Gentiles and eating what they was eating and doing what they were doing until the brethren from Jerusalem got there. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> he comes over here. <laughs> That's not all. If you go back and read it, Barnabas did too. Oh, it's... <laughs> It's, see, a lot of people has the idea that this New Testament church didn't have no ripples and none of the preachers had any ripples and they didn't. There's a lot more in this book if you really start digging it out. So could it be that when it's all said and done that even at the end of the journey and he's writing and he's talking to Timothy and he's telling him and instructing him uh, about a man, uh, the end, and he talks about. No, notice what he says, and I'm about through. I don't have a clue what time it is, but, but if you watch what he tells him about John Mark, but before that, somebody had left him called Demas because he loved this present world. Huh. And he begins to write unto him and tell him to bring certain items and. Garments and the parchments and the letters. And, and John Mark. Mark. Because he's a benefit to the ministry. Could it been that God had to send him down a different course. To perfect him and mold him. And you couldn't have near the persecution. A man that Paul was going. I'm telling you. God knows. We don't. That's the reason the callings and the election should be of God and not of us. It's a God thing. If there's ever been a time, it's always a time, but I'm, I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time that we got to hear the voice of God and we got to have moves of God and this has got to be a God thing, it's now. Technology with all the voices and the taps of the fingers and all the ideas and doctrines of people and things of this nature. God help us. And I'm talking about out of this book right here. I probably can't number how many different denominations and beliefs and doctrines out of the same book. On how to be saved. On how to live godly. Praise God. Because when you go back into the life of Paul. And you begin to watch some things unfold. Such as the time that he was stoned in Acts the 14th chapter. They stoned him and drug him out of the city. 
as one dead. How many of us could really handle that? What would you do this morning if somebody pulled in here and come in here and stoned me to death and drug me out in the parking lot? What would you do? Especially for the gospel's sake. Get my pistol. That's not the Bible, though. To know the call. To be able to give the instructions. Did you know this Bible taught us there's a ministry called helps? I just wonder how much of some of this we've let fall to the wayside because we're so focused on this. Unless I can get behind one of these, I'm not called. I don't feel the pressure to. There's a lot of things in this body. I don't even know the name of them. I'm glad I got them. I'm not interested in start cutting them out. I'm not interested in start praying, God, I don't know what that thing is. Just shut it off. <laughs> they tell us a certain parts of the body, they don't know what it's for. But if God put it there, it's for a reason. It's doing something. <laughs> if nothing else, it may be keeping something else in order. One of the, man, I'm, I'm through, but I'm going to say this. The real purpose of, of an organization is to have a group of preachers, whatever their calling is. But the real purpose that an organization was, the setup to start with was, that's when one of our own start preaching and doing things they ain't got no business. That we'd have the right to come in here and take him out. But for the most part, we have failed to do that. And if we failed in that magnitude, we have probably failed in the local assembly. Because it's not easy to tell someone that really feels that this is my call. This is what I'm, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. I told you I was going to be a little different. Than, I didn't follow the, everybody. Man, they just marked Paul, marked Paul off. He, he didn't care nothing about the young man. It's amazing to me how many young men he called thereafter. I'm talking about right after. In fact, the one Silas. I just wonder how old he was. 
that took John Mark's place. Could it be that, that Paul, because I'm going to tell you something. We don't have no problem with Paul using his authority as long as he's driving devils out. As long as he's handling them. But when it comes to our own, that we feel like and we think, and this is the way. But he steps up and said, I don't think so, Barbara. He can't go. I don't think it's a good thing. Told you it's going to be different. I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time. We can stand. If there's ever been a time, God help us. God help us. God help us. God help us. Oh, God, we need your help. Because if there's ever been a time that we need a five-fold ministry. And we need a church. And we need a body of believers to unite and work together. This division stuff that you're seeing in the White House hasn't left the church untouched. The spirit that you see running rabbit in the world out there affects the church. Okay? So that's the reason God help us to be inspired, to be anointed, to, to know your voice, to know the word of God, to, to know your heartbeat, to know your will. I know not all. I know not all. Could there be some blood on some pastor's hands? It's because they just simply didn't stop that young couple and telling them this is not your call and this is not your place. But because of pressure from whatever reason, from kinfolks to tithing to whatever. It's gotta get out you, get out you. And they shipwreck and lose their souls down the road. And take no telling how many others. Telling y'all folks, I'm not far off as some may think. And I really don't believe I missed what Paul's intent was here. Everybody wants to say because he was young and he done he I just and because he dropped the ball back here and he fled. There was a discussion that came up yesterday. This guy was making the statement, talking about all the things that's going on. And, and this is just a, anyway, he made the statement. He said, you know what? He said, if I got the gun, I got 100 bullets. He said, I got an army coming down the road there. He said, he said, I might survive to shoot that 100 times. But the point I'm trying to make here, how many of you believe that you're all in the same battle? As far as identically, every little spirit, every little. How many believes that we're in different degrees? Could be. Depends on the calling. How many believe that whenever you begin to elevate, come on the platform and begin to be 
used in singing, playing, or whatever. Sunday school department, youth departments, ladies' ministry, whatever. Guess what? You just came with another target. Now, all of us are. Okay? And some could be because there is a call. And so the best thing the enemy can do is to wipe you out before you ever get started. Why do you think there's such much pressure on our youth to scar and mangle and mess them up? Go back and read. What, what did he instruct Timothy? Go back and read this. Watch this. Actually, Paul was trying to make his way to Timothy. Couldn't do it, so he writes him a letter. Still wasn't able to do it, so he writes him the second letter. With a full intent, I'm coming. I'm coming to him. But can I get there? He said, you give yourself to reading. You give yourself to exhortation. In other words, you keep encouraging the church and the elders and those that are there. You command them. I mean, he read the lesson, what the man said about command. To encourage. It's actually an encouragement. To persevere, to press on. We need to send this message stronger than we ever have. Especially to our children and youth. This is right. This is that. Don't waver now. You hold on. We're going to make it. Thank God for this gospel. Thank God for this Pentecostal experience. Thank God for this way in life we call holiness. And it's more than a dress code. That's part of it. You can't throw it aside. Some wants to. But you can't throw it aside. It makes a difference. What you read here and here and all this tells what's in here. What comes out of here is what's in here. That's where it's at. Love you this morning. Love this church. Love this gospel. I desire your prayers greatly. As Paul instructed the followers, he said, You pray that God would give me boldness. To say what I ought to say. That's in the book. Paul asking for boldness. Man, I read that, I thought, oh, Lord, Paul, you done got more than you need. <laughs> but no, because I promise you, times just like that, that wasn't easy. But you can believe that because this was the man that offered him the right hand of fellowship when nobody else would. Now, watch this. Go back to Hannah. Go back to Samuel. The first message that Samuel gets, he has to go to his own mentor, his own priest, and inform him what God's fixing to do. Makes all the difference in the world. Really does. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Appreciate you. We're so thankful for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, and your long-suffering, and and as you look down upon us here, God, we pray. We pray for your will to be done in every soul and every heart and every life. 
that perfecting hand would work and orchestrate and bring about that uh, that would give you glory and praise that will fulfill your purpose God upon every heart and every soul we pray there would be such a stirring in each one of us the stirring for revival the stirring to find our place and your call and your election and body of believers to accomplish and to achieve that that will make us amen who you desire us to be in this community but not just in this community but God wherever and however you want us to reach out in the highways and the byways and in other places God we just want your will to be done and your heartbeat hallelujah to accomplish and achieve that so we pray for the wisdom the wisdom that's from heaven we pray for the anointing amen the power of your word the power of your spirit and God we want to see children birth into the kingdom of God we want to finish this race God we want to finish this race so we give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it in Jesus name we pray love you this morning appreciate you hopefully prayerfully something was said encouraging uplifting Giving some instructions. Praise God. Hallelujah. You ever been doing something, didn't really know what to do, and somebody woke up and gave you a few instructions, and man, that thing just went boom, boom, boom. God help us to hear his instructions out of the word of God. God bless you. Appreciate you.